podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, quick bit of housekeeping for you before we start the show. And this is only relevant to those of you who listen to us on the Apple Podcasts app or via Apple. So if you don't move along, as the great Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, nothing to see here. But if you do listen to us via Apple, listen carefully, particularly if you're an old school listener of the show. Before we became the Nat Coombs show on ESPN, when we were the NFL show, you would have got the show updated when we moved without having to do a thing. But that's because the old show had a divert put on it. So to check, you'll subscribe to the new feed because the old one is going to go pretty soon. Check out the Nat Coombs show. Search for it on the app via the podcast browse section or the store section if you're looking on the desktop and find our show and see if it shows whether you're subscribed or not. If you are, great, you're on the right feed. If you're not, hit subscribe and delete the old one. So head on over, not in your library, but actually onto Apple. Search the Nat Coombs show. Make sure you're subscribed to the feed that you find. Simple. Good luck. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us. Ben Isaac's coming your way very, very shortly. A ton of stories to be getting into with Ben from around the NFL. Dak Prescott, no extension for him, so he stays on the franchise tag. It's over $30 million, but not what either side wanted. Isn't that the definition of a bad negotiation when neither side gets what they really wanted? Derek Henry's got what he wanted. Big deal for him. The Titans re-upping him and meaning business. Cam certainly meaning business as well. We'll talk about some of the comments he has made about his life as a New England Patriot. Plenty more besides. And of course, with Ben in the house, we'll look at the state of college football. What the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are doing. What the SEC might do. Are we going to get college football if we don't, when might we get it? And what does this mean for the NFL and players coming through in the 2021 draft? So a huge amount to be getting into. So we better get straight down to it and check in with Ben Isaacs. So Ben, Wednesday was the, the deadline for reaching agreements and long-term deals with franchise-tagged individuals. You're obviously franchise-tagged by the Nat Coombs <laughs> show. So if the powers that be reach a deal with you, uh, are you now, uh, have you got a long-term contract extension with us? Oh, I, I, have a very, I have a very long-term contract extension. It blows the Mahomes deal out of the water. Um, right. Your people have been speaking to my people, and mm. I think it is only a matter of time before, between the two of us, we should have enough money to buy our own NFL franchise, or at the very least an XFL franchise. I think I'd rather have an XFL franchise. <laughs> I think I would. Uh, or maybe bring back arena football. Oh, yeah. I mean, let me see if I've got any change in my pocket and we can get a team <laughs> each. Team each, uh, as long as I get to go 50-50 with John Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, let's get into so much to get into with you. Uh, and I want to get into to Dak, uh, of course, uh, and, and all the deals, D. Henry getting upped as well cam making some really interesting comments this week so lots of news stories i want to talk about but of course the college situation is is developing and then some and that is very much your wheelhouse so we want to spend a bit of time looking at what the college season might look like in the uh the coming months let's start with with the, the dak prescott situation so no extension right he retains his franchise tag which is 31.4 million dollars this year projected incidentally because the Cowboys of course can can tag him up for the next couple of years as well projected to be 37.7 in 21 and 54.2 in 2022 so I was reading one really interesting piece Charles Robinson uh, over at Yahoo Sports saying that if it played out that way that the Cowboys were if the Cowboys were to tag Dak for the next three years at that level he'd be making more over the next three years 
then Patrick Mahomes on his deal. And then, of course, he hit the market after that. So really, really interesting developments. How much of a mistake is this for the Cowboys not finding a way to reach a deal with Dak Prescott now? I think, I think it is bad. I think it's really bad for Dallas that they were unable to get the right long-term deal. But I think the key there is the right long-term deal. Dak is betting on himself. And I don't blame him. He's very talented and he has had plenty of success in Dallas. But he's not reached kind of giddy highs. He's, he's, been, he's been above solid, but he, he isn't kind of like, he isn't perennial all pro or even close to it. I, I think he's perhaps pushing his luck a little bit. And I think it's something that could backfire for both parties. But the thing is, is that I expect him, I mean, unless, he's, unless he has a really bad season, his value is going to go up. Mm. So if they are betting on, if they're betting on him having a slide this season so they can uh, pay him less on a long-term deal next season, that seems very short-term way of looking at it. Like you want your quarterback to do poorly so that you can have him for longer. You want him to do really well. But if he does do really well, it's going to cost you an absolute fortune. I wouldn't be surprised if they franchise tag him again mm. and potentially again. Kirk Cousins had the same thing where he was franchise tagged two years in a row. It's bad for Dallas. It's good for Dak in the short term, but obviously it's, I mean, it's excellent short-term money, but it's not so good in terms of long-term security. So in a way, I feel both sides have lost on this deal. You've got to remember, of course, that the Cowboys very much lucked out on Dak, right? He was a quarterback. That was not their first choice in that draft. Believe it or not, this is the same draft that Paxton Lynch and Connor Cook uh, <laughs> went at it, and then reports that suggest that the Cowboys were interested in them ahead of that going hmm. into it. It's going to land it in their lap. And of course, they, as always is the way, I think, when you're getting a mid-round quarterback that starts so quickly in his career and so effectively for a prolonged period of time, they, they lucked out. There's no other way of looking at it. And the deal that he's been on, for his, the entirety of his Cowboys career represents a huge amount of value. It has enabled the franchise to spend money elsewhere. They paid Zeke. They paid Amari Cooper. Money has been chucked around left, right, and center. And yet they couldn't get a deal done with the most important player on the team. The quarterback is always going to be the most influential player on the team, right? So that seems to be quite a head-scratching situation as well, that it's not as if... They've already shelled out a lot of money on, on this player. They've, they've got a huge amount of value over the last few years. Of course they have. So that was, that was baffling, I think. What do you think is going to be the upshot? And we know how the markets are governed, Ben. Deshaun Watson is widely believed will re-up his deal at some point in this offseason. And just like it is in, in football, just like it is in so many sports, the market is governed by the latest deal that's been done. You know, we saw that with Jared Goff and, and Carson Wentz as well, uh, influencing deals that have come since then. We've seen the Mahomes deal. We're going to have the Watson deal. That's got to work against the Cowboys. They're going to have to pay, unless you follow your logic, that Dak falls off a cliff this year. They're going to have to pay even more pro rata next year if they get a deal done. Yeah, it, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely crazy how much money they'll have to pay. And it's also crazy how much value they've had out of him since he was drafted. Right. I would love to sit here and say to you that I had Dak Prescott down 
as a starter, an NFL starter in his first season after being drafted. I felt he was a project, that it was a decent draft pick by Dallas. And I think we all assumed he was going to sit behind Tony Romo for a while. Tony Romo was set in that role. Dallas had a good team. Romo went down injured in preseason. All of a sudden, people like Dak Prescott, that's, he's not a ready-made starter. And of course, he's, he's done so well. And they got him on that super cheap deal. He wasn't, you know, when you look into the past of when, um, if you were a quarterback and you were taken in the first, let's say, 10 picks, you would often be the best, played, best paid player on your team before you've even taken a snap. And obviously, the rookie wages have thankfully been completely overhauled since yeah, then. Yeah, those, those Sam Bradford, Matt Stafford deals, that was exactly what was happening, right? Yeah, and it, it, was, it meant to the team, if you, had, if you had a bad season and had an early draft pick, you had to mortgage your entire future on a quarterback, where if mm. it didn't work, you were done for like five years. You were just out of the market financially. And thankfully, that isn't the case. But Dak is someone who didn't just suffer because he wasn't, he wasn't born in that era, but because he wasn't picked in the first couple of rounds. Mm. So they've barely had to spend anything on him. Now, there is, there is a logic that if they've done that once, why not do it again? Why not let Dak walk and let someone else pay him a ridiculous amount of money, let him earn Patrick Mahomes' money somewhere else? There's a right. lot of quarterback-hungry teams in 2021, who could be looking for someone that Dak Prescott, who's to say he wouldn't be a stealer or a bear or a giant. How would you feel about him as a bear? You'd take him. I would right now. I would right now, but um, I'm hoping they'll draft Trevor Lawrence. Um, <laughs> but you make a really interesting point, Ben, about, about the market, right? And, uh, and the recency of, of a certain deal obviously slightly affects the, the power rankings, if we're looking at power rankings based on how much that player is getting paid. But looking at that collection of young quarterbacks that are getting deals done around the same time at around the same level, obviously Mahomes is at the very top of the tree. Watson is going to get paid. You mentioned Goff and Carson Wentz as well, right? Where's Prescott in? Forget how much each of those is getting paid. Let's put Lamar in the mix as well earlier on in his, in his trajectory and all of this, of course. Out of those younger quarterbacks that you'll see you're getting, well, although quarterbacks these days are playing late 30s, early 40s, but you get my point. You're going to get, uh, if you were to make a, a play for them, either retain them or, or, or bring them into your franchise, you're going to get a lot of mileage out of them. Out of the younger quarterbacks, where is Dak? And is that the problem that even though he's been capable, more than capable, cr very credible starter, he just doesn't have that pop in the same way that Watson and certainly Mahomes does. And I would put Lamar Jackson in that list as right. well. I'd put, I'd put those three ahead of Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott wants to be paid, at the very least, what they've been paid. And I think some of this is because he knows that they had such a bargain with him that mm. he, in, you know, comparatively, he was paid peanuts. So I think he feels like this, this, is, my, this is my deal. This is the one where I've got to make... I've got to make the money. I'm in the position where I will get paid um, a crazy amount of money by somebody. Rather, it was in Dallas because he's already a good fit there. But to me, he's not worth Lamar Jackson money. He's not worth Patrick Mahomes money. He's not worth Deshaun Watson money, whatever that ends up being. But it's kind of where you sign the deal rather than simply what your ability is because sure. it has such a, it has such a knock-on effect. Dak will get paid. Mm whether it's 
the franchise tag again next year and potentially the year after, or whether he hits free agency. I mean, it seems, it seems crazy to think of it that, you know, we could be sat here in 12 months time, uh, hopefully not just stuck in our homes, but we could be sat here in, in, a, in, a, in 12 months time talking about these sort of things, talking about Dak's new team and what difference is he going to make to that team while the Cowboys have drafted a rookie who they're paying old Dak Prescott money. You know, they, they may feel that there's confidence in the building that, yeah, Dak's been fantastic. We've got great value out of him. Instead of thinking about him as a person, you've got to think about him as a commodity mm. and look at the numbers and you feel, okay, we'll spend money on other things and we're confident we can get the next Dak Prescott for a small amount of money in the draft, which is entirely possible. Jerry Jones will always feel that he can outsmart people. Mm. Um, he doesn't always manage it, but you know, he's got a really nice boat, so who knows? I liked his boat. Did we ever qualify who his assistants were? <laughs> Should we move on? Let's yeah, please. Another deal that has got done. Derek Henry getting paid by Tennessee. Four-year extension, 50 million bucks, 25.5 of that guaranteed. Ben, that makes him the fifth highest paid running back in the league right now. McCaffrey is one. Zeke is in there. Lev Bell. David Johnson. Five as well. Much to the delight of Texans fans everywhere, I'm sure. Uh, So puts him in in the top five. It is a logical play when you consider just how prolific he was last season, in particular, how much of a seminal part of this offense he is, and that tandem really in terms of securing Tannehill, securing Henry, the two absolute offensive success stories of the Titans last season. That was their objective going into the offseason, and they've, they've achieved that. They've got that done. So good business for Tennessee, or you're unsure? Oh, I generally feel, unless you are a generational talent at running back, Isn't he? then, well, I feel there are only, there are only three that Saquon? I would say. Saquon, Zeke, and McCaffrey. Those, to me, are the three. And I would kind of feel like you just got to pay them whatever they want. Don't let them hit the open market. You have Henry at a tier below. Yes. And um, I feel he doesn't have the consistency of just that pure ultra-level talent that those three do. I I feel those three are in a tier by themselves. Does he suffer because of the style of running back that he is in comparison Um, to them? I I think perhaps a little bit. I'm hoping that that's not playing too much uh, into my mind. Um, he's not, he's not the flash. The thing is, he is absolutely perfect for the Titans though, isn't he? Right. But for what, for what they want to do. And it's, it's all well and good. Me saying he's not Zeke. He's not Saquon. He's not McCaffrey. Obviously McCaffrey is a different sort of player to uh, Zeke and Saquon, but he makes the Titans tick. Mm-hmm. And if he, if they can ride him to the, to the playoffs in the next four years, if they reach the playoffs and have some deep playoff runs three times in the next four seasons while he's in that $50 million contract, then it is money well spent because it makes, if you are quarterback of the Tennessee Titans, you get to do a lot less because you've got Derrick Henry. Right. Providing Derrick Henry is able to continue it for the next the next four seasons, which lots of running backs just fall off a cliff. This, this is the issue, isn't it? And particularly the type of runner that he is. And, the, and, and look, people are saying this about McCaffrey, let alone anyone else, just the amount of touches and workload that he's getting. How sustainable is that? Interesting when you look at the 2021 free agency market as well, in terms of running back. So Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Fournette, remember him? <laughs> <laughs> James Connor, they uh, among the names that 
could be could be on the market uh, next summer so i guess that was obviously on henry's mind on his agent's mind as well i guess that this was the the right time to do it that Tannehill deal incidentally is a reminder 118 million that was his extension there yeah um, but i think you make a great point about situation and it's something that that we talk about a lot we know is, is fundamental in in the nfl but it's absolutely borne out to me in deals like this and this is why i think it is a good deal and i think you've absolutely nailed it that if team x was paying Henry the same amount of money and he was expected to carry a different role, fundamentally carry less of the overall offense on his shoulders, had a different quarterback around him. So, you know, I, I'm not sure I would agree, but he's such a pivotal part of this offense. In the same way, fundamentally, McCaffrey is in, uh, albeit really different players, in the same way that there is so much of that offense on McCaffrey's shoulders, there is it more... Uh, uh, on Henry's shoulders than in mo- for most other running backs in, yeah. in the NFL, right? So- yeah, um, I mean, the, I think the stat was that going into the AFC Championship game, and it feels a long time ago, and it still seems strange that the Tennessee Titans with Ryan Tannehill were in the AFC Championship game. Right. But he had amounted, he had 69% wow. of the Titans' offense were because of Derrick Henry, which 69%. is absolutely, absolutely unreal. So... When you when you look at it like that, if he's going to be sixty nine percent of your offense, fifty million over four years isn't a whole Good lot business. of money, yeah. really. Um, and he he is very different, and there is the chance that he's going to get hurt, perhaps not as much as kind of a, a Leonard Fournette. And you're mm-hmm. you're right with the McCaffrey, uh, the McCaffrey comparison, not in terms of style, but in terms of importance. Whereas Zeke and Saquon are just ultra talented, ultra reliable. The two the two best kind of classic tailbacks in the nfl right now mm. and they are to me the most talented they are more talented than christian mccaffrey as far as i'm concerned in, in terms of pure physical talent more than christian mccaffrey i f- i feel so in terms of physical talent but in terms of importance mccaffrey and henry are more important to their teams i feel than than zeke and saquon are because we know that McCaffrey is like a kind of Swiss army knife with everything that he can do. And with, with the Titans, it's purely seems to be based around a Derrick Henry offense. Whereas, you know, the, mm. the Cowboys and giants, I think would prefer to have a much more balanced approach mm. and happen to have an all pro running back um, in the backfield with the quarterback, which is a lovely situation. They just don't have the quarterbacks that they, that they want in New York. I, it seems. And who knows who will be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys in 12, 24 months. I love this. We've been rolling about 15 minutes or so, and I think you might have antagonized quite a few different fan bases already. So <laughs> Panthers fans, let us know what you think about Ben Isaac's comments on Christian <laughs> at the NC show. Cowboys fans as well. I want to hear from you. In all seriousness, let us know on social media, Marley and the crew rolling that all week long at the NC show, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, get involved in the conversation. Yeah. React to some of the things we're talking about on this week's show. And just to clarify, I also think that Saquon is better than Zeke. Get at me. This is getting better and better. Uh, Saquon versus Zeke, go. Uh, <laughs> the hot take from Ben Isaac. Um, keep those rolling in. Uh, we're going to maybe still uh, stick some questions in as well that have come in uh, via those channels as well. Next story I want to get into. Speaking of the Panthers, let's talk about their old starting quarterback who, of course, is uh, applying his trade in Boston these days. Cam Newton's only been at the Patriots five minutes, already getting us excited about the potential, getting us excited about the forthcoming season in uh it wasn't a direct interview he was doing uh either a media up or a one-on-one he was involved in a youtube 
thing with uh, Odell Beckham and others and was, was talking on here, right, Cam? And was talking about a number of different things. A number of interesting quotes came out of this whole event, Ben. He was looking at the schedule and looking at all the teams, as he said, that passed on him and didn't want him and motivating him already. That was interesting. His thoughts on Belichick and when he heard the Patriots were in for him. Thoughts on how that dynamic might work. But the most important of all is what he had to say about Josh McDaniels, right? Um, well, the thing is, is that I've, I've got to say, first off, I really like, I really like Cam Newton and I like the fact that he'll speak his mind about things. However, I do feel like Cam, you could have just been, you could have toned this down a bit. Um, that you don't need to go on YouTube and start rocking the boat when that, when that boat is the steadiest, the steadiest boat in the NFL, the New England Patriots. So with Josh McDaniels, he was saying that, you know, oh yeah, he'll be able to, he'll be able to dial up stuff that he was unable to do um, for Brady. And it's, yes, that's true because they are very different. They are very different sorts of quarterbacks. Yeah. But if I was Cam Newton at this point, I would I would be saying nothing. I would, go, I would go full Patriots mm. and I would just say absolutely nothing because it's, it's only, it's only going to get people riled up. It's only going to get people talking. And so it's useful for us that he's, that he's done it. The fact that he kind of had said that when he heard the Patriots were in for him, that he was like, you know, how are, how is Belichick and I going to mesh? Just, I feel like, don't say it. It is going to be a different offense with Cam Newton. And I think Josh McDaniels will absolutely love creating plays for Cam Newton. But I just think you're replacing Tom Brady. You're replacing, if not the best quarterback of all time, the most successful quarterback of all time. I think focus more on the big shoes you've got to fill and talk like that rather than kind of saying he said something like you know you're getting a dog you're getting one of those ticked off dogs too like yeah what's wrong with that i just (laughs) i just think i just think go go say anything go full belichick go full patriots and say absolutely nothing none of what he said is wrong and he is being 100 percent cam he should be 100 percent patriot right now because that's that's how you get to be successful in new england randy moss is someone who would talk and he would do things and you know he was never kind of like a massive problem he wasn't someone who had constant um legal issues it teammates it's not like they hated him but when he got to the patriots he just he bought into the whole thing and i'm not saying cam newton won't or cam newton hasn't so far but he should he should look to what randy moss did and randy moss as far as randy moss was concerned at that point what Bill Belichick says is God. I'm going to do whatever, whatever he says. That is gospel. I'm going to follow that example, and that's how Cam Newton should be. Look how he ended up been... Randy Moss in Foxborough. Though. Come on, he said the wrong thing to the media, and he was at exit stage left 48 hours later. Right? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, know in bed with with this as you're talking and, and explaining it. It does. It does. You know, Belichick sure definitely has some some more miles on the clock but he's coming towards the end of his career realistically 
I wonder whether what we might see now is a bit like those odd couple star movies of the, of the, <laughs> the late 80s where Cam shows Bill a different way to do things. Bill shows Cam a different way to do things. And they, and they kind of meet in the middle a little bit. Are we seeing, this, uh, this feels like any given Sunday, right? It's, it's very like any given <laughs> Sunday. That's exactly what it's like. Uh, so I think I, I quite like the fact that uh, I, I hear you and we know the Patriot way. And it certainly is a place where the organization will not suffer fools gladly. I don't think Cam has got anywhere near that space yet. And I think, as you said, he's being true to himself. So I quite like that about it. But yeah, he's got to let his his action on the field do the talking. Yeah, I, I, I really think, um, you know, obviously he's not going to match what, what Brady did. Um, but this has the potential to be a marriage made in heaven. Mm. He's got so much to prove. He's got so much physical ability. He's got yeah. so much talent. And he's got so much motivation right now. The Patriots obviously got him super cheap. Bill Belichick is an absolute genius. There's, there's no other way to describe him that will do him justice. Josh McDaniels is so creative with the offense. This, this can work. Mm. This can absolutely work. The only way I feel it won't work is if A, he gets injured, or B, he starts saying the wrong thing and Mm. that's that's why interviews like this make me slightly concerned that he might kind of go in that direction Mm. because it it won't fly at foxborough that's for sure that is for sure yadakin gokwe another big name that's been in the news this week widely expected to leave jacksonville but that's not going to happen the jags as nfl.com report parried all offers uh, for Ngokwe, so far anyway, right? The Jags apparently have had a lot of different offers, says Tom Pelissero, including what an offer of a Pro Bowl player for the Jags. And, and the line goes that the Jags didn't feel that player fitted their system. So he's another player, of course, that is franchise tagged at the moment at $17.778 million on his tender. How's the Ngonkwe situation going to play out? Um, first off, I want to say that if you've got the chance to get a pro bowler and they are someone that is someone who plays regularly at a pro bowl level, not someone who just happened to make the pro bowl once. Andy Dalton you, is a pro bowler, right? Well, there we go. Exactly. <laughs> no, not knock on Dalton. Exactly. But if we're talking about someone who like, oh yeah, you know, here's, here's a pro bowler, then there should be a way of having him fit your system. As far as I'm concerned, because if they are if they are that good, you should be able to make that work. I think it's uh, been slightly overstated. This they are they were offered a Pro Bowl, or that can mean so many different things. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, that that's that's the thing. It seems it seems so it seems so vague, and it's just something that it kind of made my ears kind of prick up. Like you can you can make that you can make that work. Um, I just I think they they're clearly not in any rush to. Um, you know, to sort of move him on. So I would say he's, I would say he's going to, he's going to stick around. He is, mm. I, I, I really like him. Um, and I think you can probably get good value for him in terms of if you're going to bring a player in, they had better be at his level. There's I a lot like, that's gone on though, right, Ben, between him and, and the organization and, 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 you know, Khan Jr. in particular, right? Yeah, I just, I just think... <laughs> 
maybe maybe I'm just a bit too big a fan of his that I feel like you know make it make it work make it work with him or take a pro bowler really mm. you know what I mean if if they if they are if they are set on getting rid of him and it seems conflicted like yes we quite like to but yes we're in no rush if you're offered a quote unquote pro bowler and you've had multiple offers then maybe you don't particularly want him to go unless you're going to get a crazy good deal and if mm. that crazy good deal isn't going to come along then you'd better you'd better find a way to to make it work um you know See, i think we were offered um we were offered pro bowler in the broadcast sense field yates uh for you ben but we didn't want to deal you we didn't want to deal you yeah so i i just, just i context. just feel he's not he's not a good fit for your system <laughs> jason peters back in the nfl how about this uh, jason peters thought he was uh gonna have his feet up which indeed of course the rest of the NFL might well do as well. The rate things are going at the moment, but looked like he was walking off into the sunset, but no 17th NFL season, 38 years young back at Philly, but not Ben back in his, in the position we've, we've known him for all these years. Um, no. And I, I don't, <laughs> this was, this was a, this was a major surprise as far as I was concerned. Um, he was, he was such a good left tackle, but, mm. uh, when I saw that he was kind of moving to guard, I thought... Like guard as well. Yeah, it's like, okay. Um, and I really thought that like, he's an absolute warrior, but I would have thought he would be... He would have no... It, it worries me a little bit sometimes when people do come back at that point. Um, because I sort of feel you're like, you know, you should feel like you are, you are done. And that you want to, you do want to put your feet up, and then perhaps you realise, oh, I've spent a lot more of that money than I than I realised. But I think he clearly wants to be there. Mm. Um, he's, you know, he's played he's played a lot of games there. Um, you know, he's a Pro Bowler, an, an All Pro as well. In fact, mm. it's left tackle is a hard position. Um, moving to right guard is an adjustment. He's got the intelligence and ability to make. But yeah, it did. It did catch me unawares. I mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't want him as left tackle right now. I feel like his best days are behind him. But to fill a gap for a season, and he's a leader in the locker room. I think it makes I think it makes sense. Mm. Okay, okay. One more on the NFL, and then we'll talk college. And they're kind of connected, really. It'll uh, it'll get us into the college situation when we bring things, and obviously back to COVID and back to the situation in the states right now. The NFL PA. Uh, worried about training camps opening in cities where the pandemic is rife. And of course, it is spiking in, in a lot of different places across America right now. The Washington Post reporting that story. Inevitably, this is a situation that has a fundamental impact on whether the season starts on time. Because if training camps are, let's just say that they're, they're delayed, or rather access to them is delayed in a certain number of cities for a certain number of teams in the NFL, there's automatically a disadvantage there for, for those teams that are allowed to get into training camps sooner than others. And that creates a problem. And of course it is unclear in some situations, just how long the delay will be. So based on what is happening right now in the States, Ben, we're July the 16th. There are a few different ways this could play out. We've already seen two of the preseason games gone. I guess an option is the other two go as well. So there is a time bought there um, in some respects. Nevertheless, given what, what is happening and what we're hearing coming out day in, day out, players concerned, the organization, the, the NFLPA 
uh, as a collective concern, are we more or less likely to see the season start on time based on what you're seeing right now? It's, it feels to me that unless, unless something drastic does happen, I, I think, I think this, the regular season would start on time. I, I can easily imagine there being absolutely no preseason whatsoever. Maybe there would be more kind of inter-team scrimmages just to get those teams kind of ready for proper contact. Everything is going to start later, but the NFL is so fixed on their TV deals that I think financially they will do absolutely everything they can to start the season on time and be playing those regular season games as scheduled. Obviously, for the teams involved, it doesn't really matter if there are people in the stadiums or not. That money is just a little bit of extra topping. The money is the TV. And if they don't get those TV deals, then if, if they have to forfeit part of that TV money, then that is a huge amount of money. And mm-hmm. that has a knock-on effect to the players because there is speculation that the salary cap could be reduced for next season, which yeah. means everyone is going to get less money. So there are players who will feel oh, I, I don't feel it's safe to go to a mini camp right now. I don't feel it's safe to do training camp. I don't feel it's safe, yada, 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 further on. But when it comes to the point where, okay, are you willing to sacrifice the money? I think a lot of people are going to be in the position where they're like, well, no, mm. I'm going to have to you know, lump it and just mm. get on with it to make this money. It's, it's not just the idea that, if somebody kind of has a point of pride, they want all that money. There are a lot of people who, and this might seem, you know, crazy to those of us on far more sensible wages. Obviously we're not talking about you, Nat, but those of us on more sensible uh, salaries, the, the thing is if, if a player is getting a couple of million a year, which obviously is not a lot in NFL terms, they've got outgoings that are absolutely massive. Mm. They may have mortgages on numerous homes. They may be bankrolling um, a family member's restaurant or whatever, whatever. Well, you and drive they, a Hummer, Ben. I mean, that must cost a oh, Well, I, do, I only drive two Hummers now. <laughs> I, have, I have cut back. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people, uh, NFL players, have got so many financial commitments right. that even if the, if the salary cap went down by sort of 10% or something, that would be financially disastrous for a lot of players. Well, also the other thing on, uh, on this is that there's the suggestion that's being tabled that because of the losses that will be absorbed by the league this season or by the teams, the league interchangeable, right? 35% of players' salaries are going to be put, being suggested in escrow and then potentially paid out but yeah, quite probably quite probably not so as um lorenzo alexander gave the quote that there's no way you can ask the guy to go out there with covid19 and take 35 percent less money it does beg the question as well who's going to feel this more because whenever often anyway the conversation about individual player recompense comes up we think of the dak prescott's of this world and the 30 odd million Dollars, but the reality is that you know ninety five percent of the league are on league minimum or you know a, a little bit over, right? Whatever it is, the majority of the league players are not these are guys that are going to be bouncing around for three or four years, making a mil, mil five, and and then they're done. You know, they're not these crazy contracts, so they are going to 
almost certainly want to play whatever happens, right? Exactly. People, people do feel that financial impact. I mean, I don't know what the average salary is in the NFL if you put it, if you put it all together, but it would be mm. skewed by, by the Dak Prescott and the Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Take out world. to the top 10% deals. That would be an interesting thing to look at. Exactly. You know, the, a, lot of these, a lot of these players have short careers. Even, even if you play in the NFL 10, 10 years, which is a long career in the NFL, that's not a long career for a job. And it might be that it's then difficult for them to get work afterwards. Mm. They have to accumulate as much money as they can at one time. And if the fear is that they're putting their own health at risk and there's a pay cut, then it's, it's not a very appetizing prospect for them. It isn't. Well, uh, optimistic anyway that you think we will see a season starting on time. I know a lot of our listeners out there are concerned about that understanding. And I look at, I know a lot of people in in the in the media in the in the NFL are worried about that as well. But I'm glad that you are flying the flag of optimism, yeah. Ben. It's one of the reasons we have you here. You know, I I I think because of the money, it will happen. And the NFL is the NFL obviously already has a lot of money. And there's a lot of money that constantly flows through it. And they will, if any organization can keep things as COVID secure as possible under the circumstances, I think the NFL can do it. Obviously, they can't do what the NBA is doing right now, where the NBA is going to finish its season in a bubble, is the Mm -hmm. phrase they're using. And if you want to be in the bubble, you have to apply to be in the bubble. And you have to go through all sorts of tests to get into the bubble. And although I have not been in the NBA bubble, I have been, I have covered um, a sporting event at ESPN Wide World of Sports in Orlando, which is kind of part of, part of Disney World. And it is this self-contained unit. The place is, the place is amazing. Mm. Um, and the fact that they're able to get everybody there, they can get everybody tested, keep everybody together, then that's perfect for that. And obviously the NFL can't do that. The NFL can't get every single roster into kind of a a complex of stadiums and just keep playing the games daily. So they have extra challenges that certain leagues do not have, but the NFL will be watching everything the NBA does. Things like, things like testing, things like the way that medical staff have to be used, the way that, um, the way that, players are kept separate from other players and the, the way they mix a lot is going to be learned from the NBA mm. over the next few weeks. And the NFL will be studying it very closely, doing everything they can so that the regular season takes place as normal. If a Super Bowl happens as normal, I'd be surprised, but there will be a Super Bowl. It is a great, is a great point you make about them sitting and observing. And this is the NFL have, have had that luxury all the way through this, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Huge benefit on, on the, their rival leagues. Uh, speaking of which, let's move over to college. And I'll dive into the mailbag for the first time. Mark D, thanks for this, Mark, says, what consideration is there for moving college football to next spring? So now we've seen, and you can, I'm sure, articulate uh, uh, very clearly, Ben, what the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have decided to do over, over recent weeks. The SEC, conspicuous... Hmm. with not much communication on what it's planning to do. So talk us through what those aforementioned leagues are doing, uh, or conferences, I should say, are doing, and then answer Mark's question about the overall prognosis for college football now versus next spring. So just as a little bit of background, college football has a lot of different conferences, and the, the main five um, are called the Power Five, and they set the tone for everything. 
And of the Power Five, two of them, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, have said they will only play a conference schedule this year. And what that means is Pac-12 teams will only play other Pac-12 teams and Big Ten teams will only play other Big Ten teams. This has a knock-on effect for everybody. Although the bulk of your season will be games played within the conference, there are lots of big glamorous matchups at the start of the season where you've had things like USC versus Alabama. Those sort of things will not happen because USC will only play Pac-12 teams. It also means that the smaller university, so the the one that I was reading about was um, Iowa, who are in the Big Ten, play a game against the University of Northern Iowa. And Northern Iowa make enough money from playing that one game that it covers half of their football costs for the entire season, just that one game. Because the bigger teams will pay the smaller teams large amounts of money to come in and get beaten basically. Sometimes the smaller teams do beat them and they get to go home with all the money as well. But usually they come in because they're getting paid a lot of money. Lots of small universities that completely rely on that are not going to get that money, which is a major problem. And it's not just a major problem in terms of they might not be able to field a football team in, in future seasons, but because the football team often bankrolls the, non, the non-revenue sports, it might mean, okay, we now can't have a swimming team. Right. We now can't have a tennis team and so on and so it forth. It almost certainly will mean that, right? I mean, if it you... almost certainly will. And it's, it's bad, not just because there are all these people who don't get to play uh, the sports that they love, but it also means fewer scholarships. Mm. It might mean that you were going to go and have a golf scholarship at the University of Northern Iowa, and now you don't. And now you can't afford to go to university and you can't get the education you were hoping to get. So the, the ramifications of what the Big Ten and Pac-12 are doing is, are, are massive. Mm-hmm. They, there is a huge trickle-down effect. But you can't, you can't criticize them because, obviously, what they are doing is trying to keep their players and their staff as safe as possible. It streamlines the process. They will know, if you're a Big Ten school, you'll be in constant communication with all the other Big Ten schools, and you will all have the same level of care and medical facilities partly because it's kind of in the league rules that you have to you have to have a minimum level within that league what does this mean for the sec ben so the sec um and the acc have been very quiet on Mm. this matter and i think probably what's going to happen is they will they will for the most part just play conference opponents but the Um, because of the regional rivalries within the SEC and the ACC. So South Carolina versus Clemson, Florida State versus Florida, Georgia versus Georgia Tech, these massive historical rivalries that are usually held at the end of the season, I think those will take place. And I would imagine there are conversations going on right now between the ACC and the SEC to agree to play a certain number of interconference games before they announce, okay, we're keeping the rivalry games and we're keeping the conference games, and then we won't play the others. The Big 12 are the only league where everybody plays each other anyway, and I think it's just a matter of time before they say, we're going conference only. Mm. It'll mean that everyone plays fewer games, which will mean that if there's a, if there's a team that has um, an outbreak, then they can kind of work around it. They, can, they will just have more flexibility in terms of of time but to go to the to go to the uh the the spring season idea 
there is talk about it and most universities are trying to kind of at least officially say no 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 but lincoln riley who's the young head coach um of oklahoma who was tipped with nfl roles and could still be an nfl head coach in the next couple of seasons he's been quite vocal of saying look we need to at least consider spring football he's even um he even produced a load of data about what the weather is like in say february compared with november because lots of people were saying oh the weather will be too bad and he was comparing saying well Actually, it's about what we face towards the end of the season anyway. It would be about the same. There's basically three options for college football. Number one, a modified schedule in the autumn. And whether you'd have bowl games, I don't know. You'd have to have the playoff. They would still do the playoff. It might be the bowl games don't happen. Why? Why um, would the bowl? Because just logistically, it would be difficult to... Yeah, it's so, it's so much traveling. Now, let's say there's nobody in the stadiums. Do you bother flying two teams across the country to play a game in an empty stadium and then just fly home when those games were kind of rewards for the players. And also they were originally created for tourism. So it was designed to get people from the Midwest to Mm. fly to California and Florida in the winter and have a break in the sun. Mm -hmm. And ESPN runs almost all the bowl games. So if your team is in a bowl game, you get paid by ESPN. Mm. And the organizers of the bowl game, they keep all the gate receipts and all the money made at the stadium. If there's no one coming into the stadium, those bowl organizers will get absolutely nothing. Mm. So broadcasters might want those games played, but maybe they don't get played at neutral site venues. Maybe they're just like, okay, well, we pick the team with the best record gets to play at home. And we have the other one fly over just for the sake of TV, but just to try and streamline it as much as possible um the second option is a modified schedule in the spring you may be able to play a more complete schedule in the spring because if we find that um there are fewer uh, new cases of covid that it might be that you don't have games cancelled through the season and maybe some games could be added possibly mm. but then what if things are worse you've then got no fallback. If you decide now, okay, let's play in the spring, and then there are problems in the spring, then you've probably got to wipe out the season. The season will not take place. And some players would opt out if they feel that, well, I'm going to be a high draft pick anyway. Right. Why am I going to play football in April and potentially get drafted in May? If I get, if I get injured in April, what happens to my draft stock in May? Sure. So unless the NFL, and the NFL so far has said, no, we're not going to do that. Um, unless the NFL says, okay, we're going to move the draft back to, say, June, a spring, a spring schedule would mean you would have a lot of elite players pulling Sitting out. out yeah. And the third How option the is there's no football at all. There's no football at all. How would that affect this going back to a spring league, elite players pulling out? How would that affect, do you think, the, the scouting process and, and the overall recruitment process leading into the draft it makes it so much harder right if you're if you're trevor lawrence or justin fields who are like the two top quarterbacks right now mm. um you've probably got nothing to gain this season if you have a fantastic season then yeah you're going in the top five but if if you sat out this season right now you're probably going in the top five so there's no motivation but let's look at joe burrow who won the heisman trophy He was the number one pick. He had one of the greatest seasons of a college football quarterback has ever had. This time last season, this time last year, I should say, 
people were not talking about him as like a top three rounds pick, mm. let alone the first pick. He was able to have that incredible season and make himself the, the country's top player. If you sit out, you don't get the chance to do that. Mm. And also if you are scouting and you're watching certain players, you know that they're not playing against the, the top players. Because let's say you're like, okay, this, this left tackle looks fantastic, but this, de- this defensive line he's up against is missing three starters now because mm. they haven't played. So what am I really seeing from this left tackle? Because he's only up against the reserves. It throws the whole thing into absolute chaos. Like People thought that the draft that we've had this year was weird because it was all done remotely. That draft was completely normal. It just happened to be people were not on a stage in Las Vegas. It was normal apart from that. I can't see any way that the draft can be normal next year because mm-hmm. I think there will be, there's going to be disruption to the schedule. Fewer players are going to get that opportunity to rise up the draft boards if, they, if they're pulling out or if it's just other, they're up against teams with less depth and people just feel like, well, how good are they really? This is something the NFL, like the, the NFL will play its season, I'm confident. I'm a lot less confident that there will be a college football season. Certainly not a normal season, anything mm. like a normal season. If you're a parent, you won't necessarily want your child going off. Like, if, if you're old enough to have a child at university right now and you're listening to this, would you send them back to a university in Florida right now? Mm. That would seem absolutely crazy. And if universities do not have students back on campus, it makes it very difficult to justify having to have football players back on campus playing. If you're saying it's not safe for students, why is it safe for football players? And then we talk about the NFL players who are getting potentially at 35% less of their salary and the challenge of playing for that reduction. And talking about college players, sure, there's an education for a lot of them, but there's not a penny in it for them in, in terms of salary. So it, it would be, I guess, in terms of optics, construed as incredibly exploitative if, 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 that, was the, if that was the path that uh, we go down. So really fascinating, Ben. And there are so many twists and turns, of course, in all of this, both with the college uh, season, the draft, as you rightly say, and the impact that's going to have on the, the 2021 NFL season. And of course, the NFL season, full stop as well. But I'm glad that with the latter, you are optimistic about it. I am too. I feel that I feel that we are more likely than not to be starting on time, and uh, and we are looking forward to some football to take our minds off all these other things. Thanks for taking our minds off these other things for the last fifty minutes or so, Ben. Always good catching up with you, man. Uh, Fantastic, my pleasure. Uh, if our listeners want to follow you, of course, at tweets from Ben. Right, that's the best way to find you. Uh, that's it, and um, at nflhistorybook.com if you want to uh, read my book. Yeah, that's available at all, all good booksellers, right? Certainly <laughs> Amazon, you can get a copy of that. Yeah, and you can read it for free if you've got Amazon Prime. There you go. Huh? It's uh, a no-brainer. Look after yourself, bud. Check in with us soon, yeah? See you, guys. Lovely stuff from Ben, of course, a resident here on the Nat Coombe Show. So he will be back very, very soon indeed. And so will we, dropping next week. More great guests more good chat coming your way so if you haven't already don't forget subscribe to us wherever you're listening to us whichever podcatcher if you want to drop a nice review and as well hey the sun is shining it puts a big smile 
on Harry, the producer's face. Hey, it helps people find us as well. So we would appreciate that massively. We'll see you next week. Bye, gang. Sports Social Podcast Network.